Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Mr. Herman Pretorius. The first news we're going to talk about today is some fairly shocking news from the KZN, the KZN municipality of Umgeni, where the DA's chief whip, uh, Councillor Ntlantla Yenza Glovu, was killed in unclear circumstances at this stage. Uh, as far as we know from the early reporting on this, he was shot in his bedroom in his home. Motive and other things have not been made publicly available yet, uh, so we're not entirely sure what the circumstances of this are. are. Is this ordinary crime, or was this potentially some kind of politically motivated hit? Um, it's very concerning that that is even a possibility. The, uh, uh, the, the DA in the statement on this said that the exact circumstances around his death have yet to be confirmed. Uh, on arrival, when the, when the uh, Medical services arrived. It was found that one male victim had been shot several times. He was declared dead at the scene. Mgeni Mayor Chris Papas um, said that he was a great servant of the people who gave selflessly to the people of Mgeni and Porfana. Um, and they asked that the community keep his wife and small children in their thoughts and prayers. So this is but one of many terrible cases we've seen in South Africa for a while. And I think this is definitely the most senior DA person and possibly the first, I mean, it remains to be seen, but it could potentially be the first politically motivated killing of a DA councillor in the country. Um, traditionally, KZN, sort of the area around northern KZN, Durban, has been the hot seat for uh, the hotbed of, of political murders. We've seen mostly IFP and ANC and occasionally NFP councillors being killed. Um, there are some municipalities where a majority of councillors are in hiding. And the situation seems to only be getting worse. Uh, this year, we saw the expansion of political murders coming in, I think, a significant way outside of the province. Um, I think there was a murder in Buffalo City. There was also an attempted murder in Buffalo City in the Eastern Cape. Uh, and there have been a couple in Mpumalanga and Gauteng. Uh, I believe that since uh, uh, in the last 10 years or so, 155 political figures have been killed, sorry, in the last 12 years, um, have been killed between uh, in KZN. Uh, so the situation is seriously out of control. Becky Clearly, the police minister, does not seem to have been able to get a handle on it. Herman, you know, this is for me one of the most worrying things about South Africa's political direction. You know, we have mostly free and fair elections. We have a mostly free media. Um, you know, we've got a lot of good things in our political culture. But if political violence takes hold as the normal way of doing things, we start to see more senior people getting killed. Then I think we're in for a serious uh, uh, catastrophe. What do you make of this? As you say, the, the exact circumstances surrounding this incident, this tragic incident, are unclear. But we shouldn't be surprised if there does turn out to be some sort of political motivation behind it. And I think we are facing um, something that we've spoken about before on this podcast. And tragically, I think um, I and then other colleagues likely also warned of the increasing likelihood of political violence and of this kind escalating as number one, uh, socioeconomic circumstances for ordinary South Africans become uh, even more uh, pressing and uh, you know tough um, as patronage networks uh, dry up 
especially within the ANC. And as the political contest becomes something much more sinister, this is, I think, a consequence of patronage, power, and politics becoming one and the same thing. The bloody behavior of sector mafias shouldn't be seen as a distinct uh, occurrence from this type of political violence. If we think back to what happened in Nelson Mandela Bay, as well, incidents of threats, I think even of murders or, or attempted murders, where government contracts, uh, service delivery deals became so precious, so valuable that they became worth killing for. Where, once you are in a situation where patronage, power, and politics become essentially one and the same thing, you have created the ideal circumstances for this sort of harrowing mafia-type activity. And it would be beyond just the loss of true public servants, it is also a deterrent to others who might have sought to serve in public office to prefer not to. And that is another dimension of loss. I think I'm correct in saying, and I may stand under correction here, but that being a councillor in South Africa, particularly in KZN, is the most dangerous profession in the country, more dangerous than other groups who are, are uh, targeted for murder at extraordinarily high rates, more dangerous even than, you know, policemen who put themselves in, in danger's way. Um, it is a really terrible circumstance, uh, the, the, these political killings. And if they are not dealt with, they will only become worse. So I think it's very important that civil society, that political parties, that everyone uh, puts more pressure. And I must say the media, especially News 24, has been pretty good on this. I think they are the ones who did a uh, a number of articles on these political killings um, across KZN in particular. Um, and there's been a lot more attention on this in recent years in the media, um, which I think is a very good thing, but I hope that continues and the public pressure continues. So the people who are responsible are found and punished because and, they are, are hurting the very fabric of our country. And we should take very seriously the factors driving this sort of violence. These sorts of things, especially in criminality and sociology or criminology and sociology, it is very important to understand the incentive factors. People often act with incentive factors being strong enough. And if we're in a political system where the incentive factors for political murder become such that people take that risk, take that chance to commit those illegal acts, we really are in, in, in some dire straits. Indeed. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. And this is the government's annual blue drop report. This is a report that looks into um, the quality of drinking water across the country. It uh, reviews all 958 water supply systems in the country. Um, and they have found, well, some fairly shocking things. Notably, that 46% of all drinking water in South Africa is, according to testing, not microbi microbially safe to drink. 47% um, of water supply systems are also in a poor or critical condition, according to the report. Now, uh, often, you know, you think, okay, well, I mean, we know that these problems have been going on for a while, but how much of a deterioration is this? Well, in 2014, so nine years ago, there was a fire, uh, the number of places where it was unsafe to drink the water was 5% of water treatment systems. So that is a massive increase, um, sort of almost 10 times 
uh, increase. Uh, 14 water service authorities out of the 114, I think it is, um, did not even report the water quality data. Uh, they appear to have done no testing. And so the Water and Sanitation Department has ordered them to put out a notice to their residents saying uh, the water is not safe to drink. We have not been testing it. The Northern Cape was the worst performing province where 70% of water supply systems were in a critical condition and 17% in a poor condition. So you know, almost all of them are completely sort of non-functional. Uh, the Free State deteriorated ser seriously since 2014, going to 59% from 31% of places uh, of, of water treatment systems not working properly. Gauteng did not have a single water supply system in critical condition. The Western Cape had 6% of their water supply systems in critical condition. 12% um, of the Western Cape's water supply systems were in excellent condition, and 10% of Gauteng's systems were in excellent condition. Gauteng was, had the highest percentage with excellent or good performance, followed by the Western Cape at 50%. So uh, no surprises as to which are the best performing provinces there. Um, and I think considering the water problems in the in the Northern Cape, it's not really a terrible surprise that they're the worst. But this is really not great news, particularly for people living outside of the big cities. That was the other finding of this was at the sort of major metros, um, namely sort of Johannesburg, Cape Town, places like that. Uh, the water is still safe to drink according to testing. Although one does have to ask the question how much longer that will be considering the deterioration we've seen in many of these municipalities. Herman, um, what's your take on this? I think... It speaks to uh, three fundamental problems. Uh, number one, I think the parties, the political parties, all of them across the board, needs to seriously consider where it wants its talent to go. We look at parties, especially like the Democratic Alliance, where there seems to be this expectation that skill plus political ambition must fast-track you to Parliament or at least a provincial legislature position. The tragic consequences of this is that quite often the brightest uh, and most able politicians do not stay at government, at local government level. Now, there are many very competent local government politicians and councillors. I know way mean to disparage what they do. But when government to the public means taps with water drinkable in them, lights going on when switches are flicked, clean sidewalks, pothole-free roads, those are quite often and in the main local government responsibilities. So when you're in a situation where local politics is the also-ran of political talent, where people like Jordan Hill-Lewis and Sylvia Brink are the exception rather than the rule of gaining national pro uh, prominence, going to parliament, holding shadow ministerial or ministerial office, and then returning to local government to lead up, uh, uh, you know, uh, local government uh, executives. That does become worrying. One wonders where are the skills being incentivized, and I, I I hope that this could be a wake up call to all parties to really reconsider what it is that they are looking for in local councillors. So that's the first issue. The second issue is making it worthwhile for people to understand that they can either 
have a say and take ownership of local government issues by getting involved themselves, all headlines like this, results like this will keep on flowing out of every bit of governmental orifice that one possibly could find. And then the third point I want to say is this is the tragic consequence of a meritless political system. Cater deployment, BEE, these things are opportunities for cadres, crooks, and cronies to get jobs, get tenders, get contracts, get responsibilities without any guarantee of the merit and the skills necessary to do that job, whether it's streets exploding or whether it is taps poisoning people in this country. The answer is skills. The answer is merit. And as long as we indulge policies that undermine that, we are setting ourselves up for massive failure. So yesterday, uh, I'm going to move on to our next story now. Yesterday we had um, uh, comments from the uh, French foreign trade advisor in South Africa saying that uh, French companies are just not that interested in investing in South Africa. We had uh, bad GDP growth numbers yesterday. And um, he said French companies chose to hold off on committing to additional investments in 2023 South Africa as business leaders are eager to see material improvements around energy stability, logistics efficiencies, port competitiveness, anti-corruption measures, and improved investor visa, <coughs> oh, excuse me, visa application process. Um, this is not particularly surprising. It does seem increasingly like the international investor community is got less and less time for Sir Ramaphosa, and that the promises of great reform are well not really in the cards despite what uh, has been said at many investor conferences over the last couple of years. Uh, unsurprising this, but um, uh, not, not good news nonetheless. What do you think of this, Emma? Absolutely. And especially if we look at the third paragraph um, that says, in the meantime, while SA grapples with its plethora of ills from Transnet to ESCOM to enormous unemployment, countries like Kenya, Ethiopia, Egypt, Ghana, and Nigeria are developing faster through more favorable policies and attracting friends French attention as better potential investment destinations, according to Dupla. It's not difficult to ensure the basics. People need to be able to manufacture goods and provide services, get goods to market, and it must be as easy as possible for the consumer to commission those goods or services and to pay for them. That is how you attract business. And South Africa is getting left behind, not by the developed world, or by any CIA conspiracy, but by countries in Africa who are simply doing the basics right. And that is the shamefulness of this. Nothing about this was sudden. Nothing about this was complex. And the fact that Cyril Ramaphosa, even today, bears some respectability in the minds of investors somewhere is quite baffling. It's the basics that need to get right. It's growth. It's liberty and then investment, job-creating investment, flows naturally. Exactly right. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you found the show interesting, and that's a wrap.